Siblings in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So these past several weeks, or let's be honest, the past longer than I care to remember, have been difficult ones to pay attention to the news and the things going on in the world. Violence, discord, hatred, and complete lack of respect for others. It permeates everything lately. There's fear and worry everywhere. Fuller Youth Institute out of California just came out with a new curriculum for high school students called Faith in an Anxious World. I've heard from many of our students and families that anxiety is something that is taking up a lot of their brain space. As someone who herself has been diagnosed with anxiety, I can speak to how it can take over everything in your life if you let it. There have been moments in my life where the anxiety was so crippling, I wouldn't even leave my bed. Now, this past weekend, when Amanda and I were traveling for a conference, all around us, all we saw in the airports were people with medical masks over their faces to protect themselves from germs. It was really kind of surreal. Over the last couple of months, I've been taking an intentional break from social media in order to push myself to be more centered in the things and the people of my actual life. For too long, in my bored moments, I'd open my Facebook or Instagram app and just sort of mindlessly scroll through photos and posts. Vast amounts of time would pass, and I wouldn't even be aware of it. Instead of spending time engaging with my family and friends, in person or individually, I was watching things from afar, missing moments where I was. This past week, when Amanda and I attended a conference that each year brings together pastors, program staff, and volunteers who work with children, youth, and families in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, which is the larger church body that we're a part of, this, time, this year's theme was practice, not perfect. In general sessions, we talked a lot about what it means to be the body of Christ, what it means to work together to create a vision to do the work of the kingdom of God in the world. And sitting there in those sessions, I couldn't help thinking about something that I said in confirmation last week. We were doing a lesson on the history books of the Bible, and we were viewing them through the story of Joshua and the Battle of Jericho through the Bible, the mini-series. We talked about how violent the story of God's people claiming the land that was given to them by God actually is. That there were people who were not Israelites who were slaughtered and all in the name of God. This is what I mean when I talk about how hard it is to actually engage with the word of God. There are lots of comforting passages and stories of Jesus that warm our hearts. But in the wide scheme of the story of God and his people, there are difficult stories that we must address. I mean, when people say, what would Jesus do? It isn't always about loving your neighbor by doing acts of kindness that get a smile or a nice relationship. I like to remind people that it isn't outside the realm of possibility for Jesus to come and give you a lecture on what you're doing wrong and then flip a table, sending all your stuff flying. It's a smackdown, Jesus style. The other thing that was talked about a lot at our conference was about how success in congregations is measured. We do this as well. 
How many students are in our programs? Are we making our budget needs? Are we filling the pews? While these visuals may seem to be a natural way to measure success, I'm fairly positive that numbers alone do not equal success. In the early part of the passage from Micah, the prophet lays out the question of if it is riches that God demands of us or if it is something greater. Listen to verses 6 and 7 again. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Does God really want sacrifices? These questions go back to the story of Abraham and Isaac. God had asked so much of Abraham, and then to ask for the sacrifice of Isaac, his longed-for son. But then at the last minute, God provides a lamb to take the place of Isaac. Clearly, sacrifices are not what God is after. Micah tells us what God requires of, of us is to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. This is a favorite passage that a lot of people choose at ordination or for confirmation. But does it really mean what we think it means? Justice, or the Hebrew word mishpat, means to rightly order society, to hold people accountable, punish for their wrongs. And kindness, the Hebrew word hesed, means to show mercy and love. These are actually polar opposites. As we talked about in confirmation last week, these two things are always in competition with God's heart. And finally, we're called to walk humbly with our God, though this isn't a very clear description of what that truly means. To walk humbly with God is to live your life intentionally, each day with God. It means all of our acts of justice and mercy are in line with the promises that God gives us. We can't forgive and show mercy without God. Humans have tried over and over again and failed every time. We need God to work in us and create something new. And I think he is. Every day, despite the violence, despite the frustrations, I see glimpses of the amazing work of God in the world. So there were a lot of great speakers at the conference this past week, but one of the speakers that hit me the most is a speaker named Rachel Held Evans. Rachel was a writer and a speaker about faith and the church. She was a voice for change in the wider church, and she died in May at the age of 37 from complications from an infection. We heard her voice through a series of videos that were done through a website called Work of the People. And I want you to watch this one on creating something new. So a lot of people are talking about sort of the death of the church. Um, like it's this big horrible thing that we're on the precipice of doom. <laughs> um, there's a mega church pastor who even did this sort of stunt where he drove up to his church on a hearse and then gave a sermon about how will Christianity have a funeral or a resurrection and, and it was just 
we have this posture in a lot of Christianity that we see the numbers changing, at least in North America, and shifting, the demographics shifting, and people kind of freak out and say, well, the church is dying, and unless we do all of this change, then it's going to die. And I can't help but think to myself, maybe a little death and resurrection is exactly what the church needs right now. Maybe this means that for Christians in North America, we're learning that Christianity isn't about empire. Maybe our empire building days are over and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe the church isn't about power and money and numbers. Maybe being the church is about something else and maybe dying to that, those old ways of doing things is exactly what needs to happen. So in thinking about death and the death of the church, I'm not afraid of the church dying. Uh, you know, death is something that empires worry about. It's not something gardeners worry about. It's not something resurrection people worry about. So if the church in North America needs to die to some of its old ways, then let it die. Maybe this is just God creating something new. That's what I'm optimistic about. So when I'm thinking about death, I'm thinking about resurrection. So, a resurrection people. Have you ever thought about what it means to think of yourself as a resurrection people? Isn't that what you are? Aren't we a people who trust that death is not the end? Jesus didn't stay in the grave, did he? We're resurrection people, gardeners in God's kingdom. We're people who know that in order to do justice and love kindness, we must walk intentionally with God every day. Not because we're somehow earning salvation, but rather because God's love is calling us into the work of his kingdom. Amen. <laughs>